0: My name is Peter Robotham, and the work I do is a geophysicist. I look to extract as much value from seismic data for characterizing the subsurface as possible.
1: Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off in depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, I have a conversation with Peter Robotham on his recent paper, Investment in North Sea Seismic Leading to New Opportunities. Peter makes the case for investing in seismic data. He also shares why the beginning of a project is the most important and the context where seismic projects deliver the most value. We also discuss new versus legacy 3D surveys, why the beginning of a project is the most important and more. Peter Robotham is a senior geophysical advisor, geoscience lead at Apache. Visit seg.org slash podcast to find the links for Peter's paper and the rest of this special section on the North Sea in April's TLE. This episode is sponsored by Geospace Technologies. As the leading innovator and manufacturer of wireless seismic data acquisition systems, Geospace Technologies offers a series of seabed, wireless seismic data acquisition systems designed for extended duration, seabed seismic data acquisition. Geospace is committed to setting new standards for quality, performance, reliability and cost savings to EMP companies and marine geophysical contractors. And now my conversation with Peter Robotham. Well, we're gonna talk a lot about seismic data today, which I'm excited about. You published an article on April's The Leading Edge that was titled, that is titled, Investment in North Sea Seismic Leading to New Opportunities. Why did you set out to write this particular paper?
0: Oh, well, a simple answer. I was approached, I was asked. <laughs> Here in the North Sea, well, certainly in the UK, we all know each other. So it's a, it's a fairly small community. Um, ourselves here in the UK and uh, in Norway, uh, Netherlands, uh, the other North Sea countries. I think we've got a good sharing network. We've met at various conferences, etc. So w- once approached, I I sort of sat back and thought, okay, what what would be interesting to share? What aspects of what we do would be kind of different or enlightening for the uh, leading edge readership uh, and so that formed the basis of the paper as we um, started to put it together
1: yeah and the first part of that title is investment you know so let's kind of start there why is it important to invest in seismic data
0: sure well we are all within the SEG we're all geophysical enthusiasts we're all seismic enthusiasts um, and you know for us it it's obvious that, you know, we need to shoot more seismic, process more seismic, you know, really push the seismic as far as we can. But when it comes down to the the business side of it, uh, we, we do have to put together the business proposition for our commercial, the commercial side of our business. What is it about this new activity or revisiting an old activity? What is it that actually derives the business value. And so that was you know, the, the sort of basis for the paper, showing that there are opportunities out there, even in a very mature basin like the North Sea, there are plenty of opportunities to invest, to create better seismic data, to address the business questions of uh, the organizations that we work for.
1: Yeah. And speaking of investment, what does investment in seismic data look like?
0: It's multifaceted. Let me just sort of set the groundwork. In the paper, I emphasize that for the North Sea, we're not talking about a new 3D seismic acquisition in an area that has never been surveyed before. We're not in that situation. We've covered uh, back in the 1970s, 1980s, everything was covered with 2D seismic, late 80s, 90s and onwards, we've shot 3D seismic. So wherever you look, there will be an an existing 3D seismic volume. And some of the contractor companies have brought together historical surveys and merged them together, and those are available as off-the-shelf products however in that context so investment means do we need to acquire a new 3d seismic what what technology has developed since the previous acquisition that would allow us to derive more benefit from that seismic so that's one part of investment new acquisition a second uh, investment could be Purchasing the latest data that a spec uh, company, a, multi, a multi-client a multi survey company has acquired. Or a third aspect could be reprocessing an existing or a legacy 3D data set to derive the benefit of um, more recent processing technology developments. So three aspects there.
1: Yeah, we're going to look a little more in-depth at that first aspect in in a minute. But in in what context do you see seismic projects delivering the most value to companies as well as to geoscientists?
0: I remember in the past, there was an analysis done of where does 4D seismic deliver the most value. So I'm talking specifically about time-lapse seismic. And... The analysis showed that, yes, the, the 4D seismic will give you uh, an uplift on a, you know, drilling a particular well, or it'll de-risk something, or it'll give you a better picture of what the reservoir model should be doing. But the greatest value came from surprises. The greatest value was when we thought we knew something, we thought we understood how the reservoir was behaving during production, and suddenly we saw something completely different by acquiring the, the 4D seismic. And I think that surprise element is also uh, relevant for, for 3D seismic as well. With all this great 3D seismic data, you know, we think, oh yeah, we can easily map out the subsurface. But uh, for example, we, we give examples of injectite imaging, which just by doing a reprocessing, we're able to image uh, in their sort of complex 3D geometry much better with the same acquired data set, but just with the latest uh, reprocessing.
1: You know, in what ways have you seen the quality requirements and use of seismic data evolve throughout? the North Sea project? Let
0: me focus my answer on the the 4D seismic uh, that we've been acquiring over the the 40s field. And here, Apache acquired the 40s field from BP back in 2003. And with that, um, also the rich rich legacy of both 4D seismic uh, as a tool for reservoir management and also the... AVO inversion that the pre-stack inversion methodology that uh, BP had developed. So when Apache took it on in 2003, they were able to straight away um, utilize the, the methodologies uh, that had been developed. Since then, I would say that uh, we've gone from strength, strength to strength. So in terms of the 4D seismic There've been five more acquisitions acquiring a time-lapse seismic monitor data set, And with each of these, we've learned how to improve the acquisitions every time, both in terms of you know, making sure the source and receiver repeatability, uh, positioning repeatability are as close as possible, but also making sure that we get as much uh, bang for our buck, Increasing the areas surrounding uh, the 40s field that get covered by 3D seismic, whilst we're acquiring the 4D seismic lines. Separately, I mentioned the pre stack inversion, and I would say for that, yes, we've, on every phase of repeating uh, the inversion, we improve every time we get a better calibration against the wells. Uh, we get more confidence, more trust in that seismic inversion product, and that—that's been very satisfying. Seeing how, you know, we're we're standing on the shoulders of giants, but we're taking it to the next level incrementally. Uh, every time we we come back to look for improvements,
1: you know, kind of going back to looking at investment in seismic data how would you approach deciding whether to acquire a new 3D seismic survey or just utilize and reprocess a legacy 3D survey for a particular area?
0: Well, the first the first question becomes, well, how good is legacy seismic data? During the last couple of decades, there's been a strong technological development into broader band seismic data. So, with with emphasis on the lower frequencies uh, within the within the bandwidth, so we've got a fairly good idea of the age of um, a survey and therefore the likely quality of that data for applying a new enhanced uh, reprocessing sequence. But if it's a recent survey. And if it has been acquired either in a broadband way or we have the ability to increase the bandwidth, yeah, we we will uh, look at the cost differential between an acquisition and uh, the latest processing or just a reprocessing exercise and make that judgment based on what the technical and business objectives behind the decision are going to be.
1: Why do you believe that the beginning of a project is the most important?
0: I think getting stakeholder involvement right at the start of a project and understanding all of the relationships between the business objectives and the potential technical objectives, getting those out in the open right at the start ensures that uh, all stakeholders uh, buy into a project The worst situation to be in would be to have invested a lot of time and effort in a project to find a a fatal flaw which could and should have been identified uh, very early on. So I think it it creates a much more energetic project environment as well. Um, If people are all aligned, they all appreciate, you know, we've got a clear goal, we've got a clear objective, this is what we're working towards. It's likely to be a much more successful project and delivering uh, on time, on budget, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, you know, I think we we can all reflect back on those projects we've worked on in the past. And, you know, I, I bet our favorite projects are those that were kind of well-defined from, from the start. Um, we knew why we were doing something and what we were going to deliver.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And kind of a part of uh, a beginning of a lot of projects is the the contract phase. And, you know, I imagine there might be a lot of technical geoscientists that kind of uh, may just not think too much about this part of a project. You know, what can technical geoscientists contribute to the contract phase of a seismic project?
0: I find being technical enthusiasts, we might not be that keen to get into deep diving into the, the, the paperwork and the horribly thick contract documents that sometimes get generated. But what I've found uh, in my role is that it is a very good idea to look through every, every piece of information that, let's say we're doing a tender exercise, uh, what are the vendors uh, offering? Uh, why are they offering certain technology, not other technology? And I would suggest that, you know, may, assuming that someone else is looking at a particular page and asking questions about that page is not necessarily the case. There is no such thing as a, a, a stupid question when it comes to contracting. You know it. it <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we're all guilty of this. Sometimes, in contracts, we find phrases and words that have just been copied and pasted year after year after year, and are completely irrelevant to the the work that we're trying to do. So, I'm I'm a fan of keeping everything as simple as possible. the The more simple it is, the more clear it is the more likely you're going to have a a successful project and a successful interaction between the vendors and the company, uh, the the customers for a project.
1: Yeah, that probably feeds directly into what you're talking about, about just simply having clear objectives. You know, if that contract is also clear, that's gonna help make everyone know what, what the deliverables are at the end of the day. You know, during the processing phase, why do you advocate for obtaining interim volumes at every opportunity?
0: There's two prime reasons for that. So obviously, um, you know, we we would like to see the progress, uh, the improvements brought by a particular stage of the processing flow. That could be done, you know, with just a a PowerPoint comparison. However, as soon as you slip back to PowerPoints, you are uh, reliant on the color bar, the uh, scale range of uh, whoever created that that image. And what I've found is that we in the companies with the interpreters and their own preferred color bars can often sort of spot precise details that uh, wouldn't necessarily be apparent um, either to myself, say, as the running the project from our company side or processing contractors so i think receiving interim volumes loading them up into our systems looking at favorite seismic lines uh you know areas where we know there's a problem or looking through a particular well to see how the calibration has improved compared to the previous step of the processing i think these are invaluable rather than sort of waiting until you get an end product, you receive the final Segway volumes, you load them up to the system, and then the interpreters express disappointment that it's not what they were expecting.
1: (laughs) You know, due to space and the leading edge, you know, you had to be brief in distilling some of these key seismic lessons you're sharing. Now that you have a, a little bit more space, is there anything in particular you would like to expand on?
0: Well, w- one aspect that I had to be brief on was the, the acquisition of uh, our 40 seismic data I was very pleased to be able to um, share photographs that were taken from uh, the seismic vessels during one of our undershoot operations past some of the platforms. But the thing that, that struck me about that operation was how, how smoothly it went. Uh, with no HSE incidents. Um, this, this was the operation in, in 2020, the summer of 2020. The photos uh, show a nice sunny day in a smooth, calm sea, but let me say it wasn't always like that, and there were some unseasonably strong winds and large wave heights. And my admiration for the operational crews on the vessels keeping a, such a safe operation, and acquiring such high-quality data. I hope I pointed, uh, pointed at that in the, uh, in the paper, but it's something that I had to leave quite brief.
1: Hmm. That, that's, that's wonderful there that there were no incidents. What recent innovation or new technique for seismic data are you most inspired by right now?
0: During the reprocessing efforts on the barrel dataset, we've um, employed FWI. Everyone's talking about uh, FWI, full waveform inversion. We've employed it for improving the velocity model for speeding up the uh, derivation of the velocity model. So I think we're we're at a point now where it FWI is the standard. There we have run tests of doing LSM or least squares migration and we've done tests with um, various contractors we found it very very interesting but it it wasn't something in the end that we employed on the barrel data set so looking forward I think it would be interesting to you know to see how that could be made uh, more efficient and LSM uh, is brought forward to to become the standard, uh, and I think one of the barriers for us was the um, the time and therefore budget required for that. This should uh, reduce in the future as compute resources uh, continue to expand. Um, so, in terms of what I'm I'm excited about for say five years time, it would be you know the standard a- application of, of LSM.
1: Well, something to look forward there. And lastly here, what principle teaching or point of view has helped you succeed in your field?
0: I've had a lot of good advice from senior people as I've worked through my career. A lot of the the points I make in the paper are not necessarily my original advice. I've sort of taken the advice I've received through my career and distilled it down for the messages that I'd like to sort of pass on to the next generation.
1: Standing on the shoulders of giants, as you mentioned, and now you're you're contributing to that for the next, next wave of geoscientists. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to write this article and sharing these lessons and talking with us a little bit more about those lessons from that article.
0: Okay, it's been my pleasure and uh, a very interesting conversation. Thank you, Andrew.
1: SEG produces Seismic off to benefit its members, the scientific community, and inform the public on the value of geophysics. To show your support for this show, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Simply go to Seismic Soundoff on Apple Podcasts and Spotify on your phone. It takes less than five seconds to leave a five-star rating and is the number one action you can take to show your appreciation for this free resource and follow the podcast while you are on the app to be notified when each new episode releases. Original music created by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary at 51 Features. The SEG Podcast team is Jennifer Cobb, Kathy Gamble, and Allie McGinnis. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.